Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the OBR's Roundtable for the upcoming game. Cleveland Browns taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field. My name is Ian McBride. I'm going to be your host for tonight. We are going to talk to Anthony Reinhard, Red Greetham, Jake Burns, as we go through tonight, go through the matchup, and uh, talk about what's, the, what's in store for the Browns, whether they win, whether they lose, uh, and what they need to do. So we're going to get started, as we always do, by bringing in our insider, Brad Stainbrook. There we go, Brad. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm doing great. Uh, injury report came out today. This is the first injury report of the week. Uh, we're a little bit delayed. Usually, first comes out on Wednesday. Came out on Thursday this week, just because we're one day back for the Monday night game. A uh, couple of notes for the injury report. Let's go through it right now. Yeah, like you said, uh, everything's pushed back this week since it is a Monday night football. So the team will practice uh, on um, Friday and Saturday. Uh, and then have the day off Saturday, uh, Sunday while they take the uh, two-hour trip up to Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. Uh, so let's just start at the injury report. Troy Hill, he was, uh, again, he's been dealing with a knee injury, uh, and he did not practice today. Kareem Hunt uh, did not practice with an ankle injury. Uh, it, it's important to note that coach did not rule him out, so that is a good sign. There's a chance he can play Sunday, uh, Monday, excuse me, so that is a good sign. Malik Jackson's dealing with a knee injury. He did not participate in practice day, along with John Johnson with the hamstring injury. Uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, this one's going to be a, uh, one to keep an eye on. He's dealing with an illness, uh, and coach said right now it's not a not a COVID illness, but uh, you know, as we know, Jadavian Clowney was dealing with a non-COVID illness last week, and he turned out a positive test uh, later in the week. So, uh, it is something to note that, you know, uh, JOK had COVID earlier in the year. So maybe it's not, maybe it's just a regular illness. And then Greg Newsom, uh, he did not practice today, but he is expected to clear protocol soon and he will be limited. Uh, he did, cl- he did clear concussion protocol as well. So there's a very good chance he plays, um, on Monday. And then lastly, very important and the best news for last, Miles Garrett, he's been dealing with that groin injury and it's uh, you know believed to be a pretty serious one. He's playing through it. He was limited. Very good sign. He's participating in practice on the first day of the week. Yeah, good to hear. Uh, Greg Newsom's going to be huge to get back. Steelers, one of the highest rates of three wide receiver sets in the NFL. So Getting uh, getting Newsom back, getting Troy Hill back would be a huge deal, uh, and especially if Troy Hill can't go, uh, getting Newsom back because he has some experience playing in the slot, uh, whereas uh, Williams is sort of limited to the outside would be a, a pretty huge deal in terms of stopping the Steelers' offense. Browns made another roster move today, uh, kind of an expected one, but uh, go through that. Yeah, so of course he was thrown in uh, last second. He got a call uh, Friday last Friday that he would be part. Uh, you know making his NFL debut on Christmas. We're talking about cricket, Chris Nagar. Um, and he is, he was notified. He was released this morning because they signed practice squad kicker. Uh, Chris blew it. Yes. That is his name. Uh, me and Ian were talking about that earlier. I, I feel bad for him, but yeah, that is his name. Chris blew it. He's signing to the practice squad and the Browns are um, expecting back, uh, 
their starting kicker for now, uh, Chase McCaughlin. He cleared COVID protocol and he was back at practice today. Browns are going in a different direction with uh, the, the practice squad kicker. I was told he was, uh, you know, uh, Chris was told basically they want somebody more experienced uh, backing up the starting job as, you know, they're entering the you know final couple weeks of uh, the regular season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Nagar gets another look uh, this offseason, maybe as, you know, the full-time kicker, but I think they just wanted uh, somebody who, it, they, they he has potential to be, you know, starting kicker in the NFL, but I think they right, just and wanted I, somebody who has I will note, you know, Nagar was told by the Browns that, you know, this isn't necessarily the end of his time in Cleveland, so just so, something to keep an eye on. They are open to a return, possibly bringing him back for training camp and, you know, another open, uh, you know, kicking competition. Absolutely. Any other uh, any other notes coming out of the first day of practice this week? Anything uh, anything you expect uh, as the week goes along? Uh, nope. Just uh, if I had to say anything, just keep an eye on JOK to make sure that doesn't turn out to be a COVID uh, related illness. Yeah, it would be it would be rough. Pat Fryermuth uh, definitely coming along as as a as a great tight end, and we know all about the great tight ends here uh, here in Cleveland. We get we get hit with them quite a bit. Uh, but thanks for joining us, Brad. Uh, we will see you, I believe, on uh, if not if not on Sunday, then on Monday. Yep, I will be there. I'll see you guys. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us, Brad. Uh, Kevo six eighty in the chat asks: Are there any key Steelers that might not play due to injury? Center Kendrick Green was a DNP for the Steelers today. Uh, not a lot of uh, other important DNPs besides Ben Roethlisberger, but I can't imagine a world where Ben Roethlisberger isn't playing on Sunday. So you have to imagine that that's just rest for uh, for a veteran. We're going to bring in Jake Burns now. Uh, Jake, welcome to the stream. How are you doing? <laughs> Fantastic, Ian. How are you today? Uh, I'm kind of so going that... in full gear today. I hope, I hope this isn't too distracting for everyone. Got a brand new helmet. Like so it. I was I was wondering why the cam wasn't on in the in the waiting room, but okay, makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's his new new uh, Rydell uh, team issue. Yep. Uh, so yeah, let's let's talk Steelers Browns. Full, I think full that's, gear, ready I to think go. that's actually the helmet that Antonio Brown had when he was with the Raiders. And <laughs> uh, when he uh, when they wouldn't let modern, him. It's not a very modern face mask, but we're working on it. We're going to get it updated. Absolutely. So Jake, I uh, have a bunch of questions for you. Some of them are specific. Some of them are very broad. We're going to start with a broad one. Uh, way back when we faced the Arizona Cardinals, uh, they sort of wrote the book on how to stop the Browns. They ran, I think, a six-two for a decent chunk of that game they said baker you gotta beat us and the steelers uh steelers adopted pretty much that same strategy when uh, they faced the browns the first time browns ended up with 10 points any reason to think the steelers are going to change their strategy coming up in this game good question uh they should i think if you look at uh the last 10 weeks maybe maybe a little less i'm sorry a little noisy they're running the bath behind me for my my son um they uh the steelers i think have given up Something like the most 10-yard rushes. I think I saw today, that was a stat from Cleve TA posted that they'd given up the most 10-yard runs uh, in the league in that time. Something like seven or eight more than Buffalo. So they're struggling against the run, Ian. And uh, it, they'll do everything they can because I think they should be doing everything they can to stop the run uh, as best as possible. Because if they can't, you know, if they can stop the run, they at least have a chance against Cleveland. I don't think that's a secret how anybody's playing. But... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that they'll go full 6-2, but the, the, just like we thought the Browns offense got back on track against the Packers last week, I think it boils down to can they run the football. And if they can't run the football, then, you know, it's going to be a long day. So the, so Steelers should be doing everything they can to uh, to help alleviate some of that because they don't have the fear of Cleveland's vaunted some vaunted passing attack in Cleveland. So I expect them to go to as many people on the front as they feel are 
are sort of necessary, right? Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about that passing attack from Cleveland uh, as, as we go along here. But let's, uh, let's stick with a question about the run right now. Cameron Hayward been a thorn in the side for uh, the Browns for quite a while. Joel Batonio seems to play absolutely uh, elite against everybody except for Cameron Hayward. Hayward seemed to have his number sometimes. Uh, how do you balance which side to attack with the run here? Because you've got Cameron Hayward on the left side, who is one of their best players, but on the right side, which you would think, okay, maybe let's go there. You've got Blake Hanser, James Hudson, uh, inexperienced at right tackle. How do you balance that as the Browns? It's a good question. Um, I would do what they're best at. If they've been a, a better run left football team all year, then I would continue to try to run left and use your pullers to counteract it. I think a, th- a thing that a lot of teams have started to do, Ian, is starting to slant towards the strong side of the formation uh, in an effort to take away some of those uh, heavy tight end personnel groupings, uh, run scenarios, you know, take away because teams try to outgap them uh, by slanting. So Cleveland has done a nice job or did a nice job last week of. Uh, sort of taking advantage of that and running to the weak side. So I expect to see some more of that. I hope to see some more of that. Let me put it that way. Uh, but yeah, then then you could take advantage of uh, isolating numbers and different things like that so that you can have an opportunity to find some of those open open valleys inside. So not easy as, as it should be if you had a full strength line, of course, but you know, you're going to have to find a balanced run. You can't run away from Cam Hayward all game because they'll yeah. figure it out and start to play with it. Yeah, it, it, it's a bit unfortunate. The Browns, I think, for most of the season, uh, were doing well dodging you know the season-ending injuries. Uh, it's just unfortunate that two of them happen to be at the exact same position, and it's really created a bit of a weakness on the right side of that line. Uh, let's go to the defense. The Steelers, um, obviously, Big Ben uh, is playing what might be his last game overall, definitely his last game at Heinz Field. Uh, doesn't go deep as much as he used to, but the Joe Woods offense is kind of um, predicated on preventing the big play uh do you expect them to maybe change up their defense a little bit uh knowing big ben he could still throw the deep ball he could still get it out there if he needs to but it's just not something they do as frequently good question um i think they will i mean here's what pittsburgh does i mean their offense is basically i gotta take this thing off it's too hot um (laughs) their their offense is basically we're gonna run some gun run inside zone a little bit of gun power and then they will throw either right now throws like slants or they're throwing something up the sideline okay their offense is one of the more annoying offenses in the entire nfl because it's just it's really weird how they structure it they throw a bunch of go balls down the sideline and we've talked about this for years that it's either it's a pass interference or it's caught it's like that's what they try to do they try to take advantage of physical catch point guys in claypool and um um james washington and even trying to get Fryermuth involved in that situation too, and and try to score some 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 easy opportunities down the sideline. So I I don't think Cleveland changes what they do because I feel like the way they run their cover three in their quarters is secure enough. And I don't think they fear that they you know between Newsom, Greedy, and Denzel that the that the Steelers have some gigantic advantage in in uh, in personnel at wide receiver. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Like I think that the Browns feel like what they should do is fine. They, and, and we're really Ian. What they did when they played them earlier this year was fine too. I mean, they held them to what fifteen points, and yeah. uh, the fifteenth point came through a touchdown from Fryermuth that was a really, really impressive catch in the end zone, a really yeah. tough catch. So the defense, I expect them to play well. I mean, granted, unless they just have a bunch of 
uh, mistakes that allow Pittsburgh to get down the field. We've seen that before. Where Pittsburgh will draw two or three penalties and get 40, 50 yards out of penalties. It's just kind of how they operate with that offense. If you're not disciplined in how you defend the fade ball down the sideline, then you're, you're going to have some trouble. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully Cleveland takes care of that. If they do take care of that, I feel like they're you know, clearly superior in terms of the talent necessary to get it done in this one. It's just going to really come down to can the offense convert points and you know, we've seen the headache that's sort of been for a while now. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's switch on that offense versus defense, Browns versus uh, Steelers. Uh, the Steelers defense has been uh, pretty inconsistent this year. Is uh, is there an obvious reason as to why? Is it is it just injuries or is it something else? They're very short, uh, short on skill in the DB group. So they obviously have Minka and I think they have Terrell Edmonds, who's a, who's a decent enough safety for them. Um, and Mink has been sort of up and down this year, but the cornerback room is not very good. And they missed Joe Hayden for large portions of the year. And we all know Joe Hayden has limitations. It's no secret, but you know, you can, you can clearly see how much of an impact he makes for them when he plays. He just, it's a zone heavy system and he's really, really smart, savvy zone coverage player because he's been around the league for so long. He helps them in that regard. Their linebacker play has also been pretty bad. Um, you know, it's been kind of documented by people who cover them. Devin Bush has been uh, a severe letdown. Now, granted, he's coming off an ACL tear, but he hasn't been very good. And Joe Schobert's been very hit or miss. So when you mix inconsistencies in the secondary with a linebacker group that doesn't make up for any of those things, you're, 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 you're obviously looking at a tough go of it, even if the defensive line is pretty good, which we all, you know, we all understand TJ Watt and Cam Hayward are some of the best in the league. But it's uh, it, you can only do you can only make up for so much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, quick answer your question in the chat uh, with uh, Warpath EGH or EJH. Sorry. Let's say Betonio does move left tackle. What's the pay differential between top paid guard and top paid tackle? Just wanted to cover this. Kevin yeah. Stefanski doesn't say a lot of things definitively, but he has definitively said Jedrick Wills is the left tackle moving forward. That would be an off season change. Uh, but I think uh, I think Fred actually talked about this yesterday. If if that's a decision that they choose to do, uh, most likely they're going to go back to Betonio and and work on that deal. Uh, just because I think he would know, be like the tenth payest, highest paid left tackle, right? The ten to twelve yeah. range, uh, the highest annual annual salary of guards right now. I think he's right there tied with uh, so Brent Sobleski and I talked about this the other day, and Brent brought the details. I can't remember off the top of my head. He's tied with somebody. Can't I mean Joe Tooney maybe? I think who signed with the Chiefs in yeah. the off season. So yeah, I think he'd be right around the tenth highest paid. Um, um, off left tackle, tenth or tenth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, something like that. So it's not terrible, but it is like, hey, we just are, we just negotiated in good faith to yeah. get you a, a deal at guard, and now we're going to put you at tackle. Whether Joe agrees to that or not, if they did get down that path and he agreed to it, then it's like, okay, well, we probably need to restructure some of how we think about that in terms of money because you, you try to be fair to your guys, especially yeah. somebody as loyal as Joe. So, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think. Uh... It, just based on how Stefanski has talked, I don't think it's something they're really considering. I think, yeah. you know, they, they understand Jedrick Wills has been fighting through injuries all season. Uh, and if they make a decision to move on from him, I don't think it's going to be a move to right tackle. I think they're going to, you know, make a decision to move on. So, But we'll, we'll see. That's something that could shake up over the offseason. We'll see if uh, if anything changes, if, if they bring in some new you know, coaches on offense, whether they have different opinions on that. So good question. Uh, let's move on to... Baker Mayfield. Uh, we're going to talk a, a couple things about Baker. Uh, the Browns scored 10 points against the Steelers last time. Uh, besides Baker, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back around to Baker, but besides Baker, who has to step up this time for them to break that mark? 
Uh, some of their wide receiver town, if you recall, I know they only scored a few, you know, fewer points, 10 points than we would like them to score. But, um, you know, I, I didn't think Baker played all too, all too poorly in that first Pittsburgh matchup. If you recall, they were driving down the field. Uh, I think that the Browns were either down at that point uh, or, or still up, maybe up 10-8. I can't recall. But they were driving down the field and Jarvis was stripped. He made yep. a nice throw on a slant. Jarvis was stripped by... Schobert and that drive ended the next drive. They're marching down to try to take the lead at 15, 10, uh, get in the end zone. And Jarvis dropped a, a couple different throws. So that was, that was really a tough game for Jarvis, obviously. Um, now, you know, I, I, I think he's clearly going to have to be a guy who plays well, because if you go back and rewatch the playoff game last year, who played well in that game, right from the jump, Jarvis played really well. You need Donovan people's Jones to be the deep threat, uh, or at least vertical route tree guy. And, come in, come down with some of those balls that we uh, would like to see him come down with. Obviously the one down the seam against the Packers, you'd like him to come down with that. So he needs to step up. Um, but you know, I, the usual suspects, they target Hooper a lot. Hooper needs to play well, uh, but you definitely cannot have another performance from, from, from Jarvis. Like we just saw they need uh, in that Pittsburgh game last time, they need those guys to step up at the wide receiver position and make some plays. Yeah, it definitely uh, it's part of how the defenses have been approaching the Browns is not just to you know, make Baker Mayfield beat us. It's making those receivers beat us. Uh, but in the end, Baker's kind of the guy who's going to get the uh, going to get the glory, going to get the criticism. Um, what was his issue last week? We saw four turnovers uh, from a, from a layman's perspective. It seemed like his decision making was better and then he was just missing throws. Is that something that holds up when you uh, when you went over the film? Um, it was, uh, it was fine. The first interception was a poor decision, poor read. Uh, the other two, the next two were poor throws mechanically. The, the last interception wasn't really, wasn't really on him. Uh, in my opinion, I think he, there was a missed holding call on that play. I, yeah. I didn't mind that throw, but he had missed a couple throws leading up to that third down throw. So that obviously factored into it. And then, you know, he had, he had also, these things tend to balance themselves out over time. Ian, in my opinion, like there was a throw there in the early fourth quarter where he throws it extremely late and behind Hooper on a crossing route. That's right in Eric Stokes hands for an interception that he drops. So it's like, you know, you forget about those when you start to complain about, you know, who, who should have caught what, and, you know, it shouldn't have been this many interceptions. Well, those things, like I said, they really do tend to balance themselves out. But um, to your point, he was poor mechanically, which is this is really the, the culmination of a lot of Baker's problems. Didn't process quickly enough. Didn't make sound decisions throughout the game. Mechanics were out of whack, you know, out of, out of whack in that regard. And if his uh, if his mechanics are not buttoned up or suited up, he does not have the ability to consistently throw the football accurately. So that's why we saw him struggle the way we saw him struggle. So if he uh, if he's going to play well, he's got to play well from a, a neck down standpoint. I talk about this all the time. His mechanics have to be in line and he can't drift in the pocket. And, uh, and obviously he's going to have to also be able to decipher some of those easier throws, which again, I thought there was an easier throw there for him uh, on that early route, uh, the Yankee concept that I broke down a couple different places now where it's just a deep post in and over and you have to go up, you have to go read the deep safety. And if he, if he retreats to the middle of the field and you throw the over route, which was wide open. And again, Higgins on that route, maybe gets 50 yards like there's nobody there and there's a ton of yards after catch on an accurate ball um it's a huge play but they turn it over and the Packers go right down and score and we know how the formula goes from there yeah. so um yeah that's that's kind of the crux of it he's he was poor mechanically inconsistent decision making and uh you know it cost him at the worst time so he has to be better 
Absolutely. Uh, one last question. Uh, let's talk about the best player on the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's TJ Watt. Uh, a lot of people, I think, when you when you talk about the right side of the line, their struggles, and that's usually where Watt is going to line up, they'll say, okay, just chip him with the tight end, you know, leave a running back to help. How much does that affect uh, the offense in terms of slow developing routes or maybe just not having another guy out on a route uh, just to stop the, the pass rush on the right side? How How much does that impact the Browns offense? It doesn't, uh, they run a lot of three-man route concepts, so if they're uh, four, sending four guys out, it does not hurt, and I really don't think it hurts in general because you can kind of, uh, you can kind of get delayed route depth, so if you chip and release a guy late, you can get a guy as a check down, a natural sort of uh, check down that can happen for yourself there, so I don't think it really, like, is detrimental to them or anything, Ian, so um, I expect them to do it. Any predictable pass situation kind of help ease the burden on on your guys in that situation, you know, playing tackle fighting for you. I don't think that'll be 35 times. If they throw the football 35 times, I don't think they'll chip every single time, um, but they'll do it to, to help a ton. And, and I don't think it's like a huge detriment to how they, how they play offense. Well, that's good to hear. So uh, any final thoughts on the upcoming game, Jake, it's going to be a tough one uh, at Heinz field, Ben Roethlisberger's last home game. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Tough to say. I, I the the data is not good uh, because you know Ben has always dominated them in the regular season. So you're all, you're ultimately fighting against that Monday night crowd. Pittsburgh's traditionally been a better home team than road team. They just play different at Heinz Field. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to say. It, it's going to be a monumental thing for. Let's put it this way: and if the Chiefs take care of business and the Rams take care of business early in the day on Sunday, I'll have a lot of faith in where Cleveland's get up for that game goes you know yeah. right now as we're sitting here it's uh it's it's a little bit early if those games don't break the right way maybe the Bengals win the division you know early in the yeah. day they upset the Chiefs then I don't think Monday will go very well I just think the Browns won't have a ton of desire to to play all too well but if they have everything on the line I think they have a real chance we'll see who can overcome the uh, personnel disadvantages right so uh let's let's revisit this Sunday at about five o'clock. And I'm sure we'll jump on the stream guys. And if, if these games are close and kind of do a live stream situation, I don't know if we'll do it live, but we'll talk about it. We'll give you guys some coverage about what happens in those games. But Sunday, in my opinion, Ian just determines Monday. So we'll see. Absolutely. Those games are uh, both at one o'clock now, I believe. So yep. uh, it might be a very exciting, you know, hour and a half uh, once we hit halftime of those games. Uh, thanks for joining us, Jake. Uh, we will see you on, if not Sunday, we'll see you on Monday. Thanks, Ian. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
All right, we're going to move right along to the legend Fred Greetham. Fred, how are you doing? Good, Ian. Ready to go. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. A little bit better after that. I feel a bit better about the Browns' chances uh, hearing hearing some of that stuff. Uh, the Steelers definitely have their own weaknesses. Let's talk about the strength for the Browns. Uh, this is something that they received a lot of criticism for early on in the season, but you wanted to talk about the defense and how that's uh, that, that sort of improved. Joe Woods has maybe flipped the script uh, uh, with the defense for the Browns. Well, they put a lot of, obviously, they put almost all their attention the offseason into the defensive side of the ball. And we didn't see a lot of fruits of that in the early part of the season. It did take time for them to come together. But, I mean, last year the defense gave up 26.2 points a game. And most of us watching knew that this defense couldn't really make a stop when it was needed. The biggest thing they did, they did take the ball away a much better rate than this team has. But what I what I want to I know there's been a lot of criticism with Joe Woods, and sometimes he's got it almost seems like bend but not break, play not to lose. But the last three losses the Browns have had, they played well enough to win. I mean, if if you would have told me that they'd give up, you know. 16 points to the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore and they'd lose or they'd give up 14 points against the Raiders at home and they'd lose and they'd score or they'd only give up 24 to the Packers and three in the second half and they lose. I, I, I would have taken that before the game. The offense has really been the fault. And like I said, last year, they gave up over 26 a game. And we felt that if they could just get down to 20 or 21 or somewhere in that neighborhood, this offense should be in good shape because last year the offense scored 25 a game and you had everybody coming back, same coach, same player, same system. And of course, you never know about injuries and COVID and that stuff, but you just seemed logically that this team would would be pushing, you know, closer to 30 points a game than even 25. And then the offense comes in this year through 15 games at even less than they did a year ago. I mean, they're they're giving they're only scoring 20.9 a game. And the defense has shaved it down where they're giving up just under 22 a game. That should should have put the Browns in position even if you just count the last 3 games they should have been able to outscore the opponent at least once. And this team being eight and seven would be a whole different world than seven and eight. Yep. And that's just one game. I mean, the offense has just let them down time and time, but I want to give credit to the defense because I think they are building something. And I think this defense can, can get stronger and stronger, you know, even going into next year. I think they know each other. Now you got some playmakers, this JOK kid, I think, can really make a difference in the long term. He's coming on now. As far as this week, I mean, they played the they played the Packers so undermanned, and even the Raiders, they were down five, six starters on the defensive side. And getting back some of these guys, like Ronnie Harrison, Jadavian Clowney, I think, is is huge. Malik McDowell, um, and Greg Newsom. I expect all those guys to play and and hopefully John Johnson. I mean, if 
if, as Jake said, if the Bengals lose and the Ravens lose, I think it'd be all hands on deck. Everybody yep. will be out there, you know, to play Monday night. And this could be about the healthiest they've been all season. Obviously, they're missing Jack Conklin, but everybody else on both sides of the balls is probably going to be close, if not ready to play, including even Kareem Hunt. So, but on the defense, I just feel like they they are now putting them putting the offense in position every week to win the game. I mean, that game against the Raiders, I do not blame the defense. They held the Raiders to 14 points or 16 points. And when they got that interception from Greedy Williams, that was on the offense. There's like yeah. two minutes to go in the game and you can't put the game away. I don't care who's on the field. So anyway, I think the defense has just played well and there's no reason that they wouldn't continue to play well this week. Um, I don't know if they can repeat against the Bengals, but I'm worried just about this week right now. And I think they should be able to go all in and, and make a miserable send off to Ben Roethlisberger. He's treated them rudely in Cleveland all these years. So it'd be nice to treat him rudely, kind of a repeat of the playoff game. I think that's what they have to do is hit them hard and hit them fast. We'll see there, but the defense, I'm giving them a lot of credit. You know, I think Joe Woods has brought this unit along and I think they will get better. And I think they can control the opponent. They're playing well enough to win the majority of these games right now. Yeah, let's let's talk about that uh that injury report. Uh it's not as long as it's been in uh previous weeks. We talked a little bit about it with uh Brad. Any news on some of the uh the DNPs, whether you think they'll be able to play on Sunday or on Monday, sorry. Well, Malik Jackson will play. He's he's on that every week, the first day it comes out, and sometimes he doesn't practice all week. JC Treader was activated off COVID, so they didn't really, I don't think had to put him on the list but he'd be in kind of the same situation. He might practice or walk through the rest of the week. Um, John Johnson is the one I'm most concerned with, had the hamstring, didn't practice today. He was on the bike. That's kind of a good sign because when we see him out there, it's kind of like the next step. They're going to be doing something at practice. Sometimes when they're indoors and you don't get to see them, you don't really know what's going on. But so the four that didn't practice today that were on the roster, Jackson, not concerned about him, Johnson and Troy Hill and Kareem Hunt. I think, again, if there's any possible way Hunt can play, I think he'll be ready. The extra yeah. day does help him. Troy Hill, I don't know where he's at. Originally, Stefanski said his injury was week to week, and then he was on COVID, so he wasn't out there. So we haven't seen really where those guys are. But I'm thinking, you know, even if even if those three guys don't play, they're in much better in shape than they have all year. As far as the COVID, you got Treader, Newsom, the kicker, McLaughlin back, a couple reserve guys. I think right now, after having as many as 34 on the COVID in the last couple, three weeks, there's really only like two. I think Alex Taylor and Tony Fields, for whatever reason, still on there, whether he's not feeling well or they're trying to figure out what to do with him because he hasn't really contributed much. So, oh, I think they're in pretty good shape. Wrote that, summarized it today. Now, JOK was not on the field. That was the only surprise. The clarification we got from the team was that he was sick, but it was non-COVID. 
So hopefully it's not like Jadavian Clowney. The first day they said he was not sick and it was not COVID. And then he ended up going on the COVID list. But um, I think JOK had COVID to start yeah. training camp. If you remember, he was the first Browns, like the beginning of training camp, missed the first four or five days. So hopefully he's he's um, all right there, but I expect that he would be okay. So I think they're in good shape. And I think depending on the outcome, it may not change, but I would think that if they are in position when and you're in these next two games, that Hunt, Johnson, all these guys would be out there because it makes yeah. no sense to save them, even suit them up, and unless they just can't move at all. But I don't, I yeah. don't take it that way. Absolutely. Question from the chat: uh, Warpath EJH uh, has Harrison cleared protocol and injury lists. I believe he was listed on the injury report, but he was a full participant in practice. Um, uh, any news on that, uh, Fred? Yeah, Ronnie Harrison has cleared um, the. COVID, he's off that. He's on the active roster and he last injured his ankle, but he was a full participant today, meaning that he's good to go from the ankle. The only reason that he didn't play last week was because of the COVID. He was on the COVID list. All right. Uh, and I'll, I'll use this question from uh, Rick1071 um, to kind of jump into uh, the next thing I wanted to ask you. He said, I'm going to be disappointed if they don't run the legs off Chapman Johnson. Steelers run D is flat out horrible. Uh, what would your offensive strategy, we talked about the defense, what would your offensive strategy be going into this game against the Steelers? Well, you know, the one thing I will say kind of in their defense, I think the Steelers were near the bottom last time the Browns played. And for whatever reason, they, you know, they play, and there's some guys over there that are pretty good. And it seems like they really, they don't look like the worst run defense in the NFL um, when they play the Browns. But I mean, they didn't have Kareem Hunt the last time they played. They lost 15 to 10. I would, like I said, if he, if he can play and you can throw him in there along with Dearnest and Chubb, I would give him a steady dose. I've, I felt the other day they could have run the ball into position to win the game and not necessarily had to go to the air, you know, on that last drive because Nick Chubb was eating up the Packers and they on paper have a much better run defense than the Steelers do. So I think they have to um, just be patient and, and do that. That's one way to kind of take the crowd out um, is, is, get, you know, get the running game going and just pick up first downs, but the Steelers are going to go all out like they did last time to try to shut down. I think that was one of their poorest games running the ball. I think it was against the Steelers for whatever reason. And so I I just think they have to, I think what to take the crowd out in that game in general, they almost have to have the approach they did in the playoff now you can't plan on a snap going over Roethlisberger for a touchdown but offensively when they got the ball they attacked and attacked and it was 28 to nothing before the Steelers knew it hit them and I think they almost have to do the same thing as jump right on it I like the idea of taking the ball if you win the toss uh, and going and getting ahead go get points that Defense is pretty good, but I I do think that if you make the Steelers play from behind, 
that's what they've been doing all year. And, and uh, that's why they've had good numbers in the late in the game. Cause it's pretty much garbage time. So I just think that the running game is the forte of the Browns. And for whatever reason, Baker Mayfield to put it totally in his hands, you know, at this point, you know, is a little rocky proposition, you yeah. know, as far as I'm concerned, when you got 27, 24 and 30 back there, get them the ball. And not so much if the running game is being stopped. You saw case in point, what I've been saying all year, Nick Chubb as a pass receiver is a, is a big time weapon. And for whatever reason, they don't seem to use him much. I think the first time they threw it to him last week, he had a 40 yard reception. If you remember last year in that playoff game, 40 yard screen for a touchdown. He looked like he was shot out of the cannon and, um, I think you got to do that. And if you can get Hunt back there, dip it to either one of them. Have one go left, one go right. It's an easy throw for Mayfield, easy completion. And you're probably going to get one of those guys on a mismatch. Yeah, I think it's the same idea with, uh, you know, how they were using Dimitri Felton earlier. These these guys are just so good at making people miss. If you can get them the ball uh, in ways besides running, it's it's nothing but benefit for the offense. Fred, thanks for joining us. Uh, any other uh, any other comments about the game coming up on Monday? No, I just think that I think I heard the end of Jake saying that a lot. Their motivation, you know, a lot will depend on what happens Sunday. So you're yeah. going to know when you at kickoff, you know, whether you have a chance or not. If, if they don't have a chance, nobody to blame but themselves. I've already said it yeah. four or five times. They've had a chance to win games with the one possession drives. And I, I blame the offense for the majority of that and uh, hope for the best that it goes the Browns way and they have a chance. You know, <laughs> they've, they've had this about, it seems like since the Bronco game that the opposition in the standings have almost broken the Browns way yeah. every week. And here you hope it does at least one more time. And then they can finally take care of business because the, the bright side is as bad as you played. If all of a sudden say, say you had like the Pittsburgh performance last year in the playoffs, and then you, you had that and then you use that to steamroll and win the Bengals, you're going in the playoffs with a home game and, yep. and you got all the momentum and everybody forgets the first 15, 16 games. So that's the bright side. There's no evidence that the offense is going to turn it on like that, but they still have that opportunity. Yep, absolutely. Can't can't say for the fan base uh, and especially for the people in the locker room how huge it would be if they were able to, after this this mess of a season, still get into the playoffs. Uh, it would be it would just mean so much to a lot of people. So we'll see if it goes that way. Got to root for the Chiefs, got to root for the Rams. Thanks for joining us, Fred, and we will see you on uh, Monday. All right. All right, sounds good. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. So we're going to bring in uh, Anthony Reinhardt here. Anthony, uh, we were just actually talking about the uh, sort of scenarios where the Browns need a couple things to go their way to get into the playoffs. 
Uh, I'll bring this up on screen. You won't be able to see it, but you did have a, a rooting list graphic um, to sort of break down how, uh, how the Browns are going to get into the playoffs. So let's talk a little bit about that now. Yeah, so uh, as I think a lot of folks are probably already aware, uh, the Browns need to win their last two games to make the playoffs. As if that, that wasn't obvious, they'll need to go at least nine and eight. Um, and then the, the easiest path for them to get in the playoffs is uh, for Kansas City to beat Cincinnati this week and then for the Ravens to lose at least one of their last two games. Um, you know, the, the Cincinnati uh, and, and Kansas City game is huge in that, you know, it, if Cincinnati wins, then it takes away their most probable path to the playoffs, although it's not their only one. And that's kind of one of the things that I, I wanted to touch on here was um, w- what the options are if uh, Cincinnati does win, because it's not totally over, although um, it, it would be a long shot. So anybody who's looking to stress themselves out on Sunday with uh, more than just that game uh, <laughs> can can pray that, you know, uh, eight other games break the Browns away. Uh, through, throughout the rest of the season here. So, um, you know, I, I think we, we've, you know, touched on a little bit already on the show here that uh, the Browns will know if they need to win, if they can get in, if they win out, if they'll control their own destiny by the time they take the field on Monday night. But they'll also know if they're eliminated. Um, they'll be eliminated outright if uh, Cincinnati wins and either Tennessee, or sorry, either um, – Miami or the Chargers win on Sunday. That will also, uh, those in combination will knock the Browns out. Um, If Cincinnati wins and the Broncos and Titans both win, uh, the Browns will still be alive. They could still get a loss from Baltimore next week and uh, a win by the Chargers in week 18. And that'll force kind of a weird uh, AFC West tiebreaker where the Browns who uh, remember, beat the Broncos earlier in the season. Yep. Um, the, the Broncos will pass up both the Raiders uh, and the Chargers in the AFC West standings. And the first tiebreaker in the NFL wildcard uh, tiebreakers is divisional standing. So um, that'll keep the Chargers and Raiders out of the tiebreaker, who the Browns have lost uh, head-to-head matchups with already. Um, one more game that matters outside of the Broncos, Chargers, and Dolphins, Titans is uh, sort of kind of uh, Raiders, Colts. Um, If the Raiders lose to the Colts, then the Week 18 game between the Chargers and the Raiders can end in a tie, and the Browns would still get in. But the (laughs) only thing that helps is that, yeah. So, I mean, if if you really want to go down the rabbit hole and all these other games are looking good, I think all of them except for the Chargers and Broncos are one. Um, then, then that'd be the last one to, uh, to root for that'll, you know, in, in the 0.3% chance that the game ends in a tie, um, and all four or five other games all go the exact right way, then, um, you know, it'll increase, you know, the Browns playoff odds by one, one hundred thousandth of a percent or something probably. So, um, Yeah. I think there's a there's a lot of games to to watch this weekend. I think that's particularly helpful when the Browns play on Monday night because you know you want to be able to watch some of the games on on Sunday and be into them. And uh, I think it helps especially that Kansas City's a five and a half point favorite over the Bengals and um, the Rams, who are also looking pretty good right now, are three point favorites over the Ravens. So it is very possible the Browns could be entering uh, Monday night with a, a win and get in scenario in their last two games. 
Yeah, Lamar Jackson, I believe, held that at practice today. Uh, that That's definitely the one to watch. Once you start getting into ties, that's a little bit iffy. Uh, and even beyond ties, you're, I'm looking at that second one, and I'm seeing that Kansas City has to lose both of those games, considering how good Kansas City is playing right now. And so that, that one's a little bit iffy to me because uh, yeah. they would still be going for the one seed up against the Broncos in uh, in week 18. Yeah. So, uh, and that's, that's the tricky thing too with, with Kansas City is that if they, if they lose, then they're definitely still playing for a yeah. seed. I don't think Tennessee can lock up the, the bye with a win this week. So Kansas City will have something to play for. So it'll have to be, you know, Cincinnati and uh, Denver legitimately beating Kansas City in, in that path. But yeah, um, but the the uh the Bengals are are in the driver's seat you know Cleveland has had the opportunity uh if they had won one out of you know the last couple of games they would they would be in the driver's seat as well uh but it it's up to Cincinnati if Cincinnati um can get that done against the Chiefs it's just over so um let's let's real quick just to finish out the show let's talk just general about uh the game coming up um what do you expect what do you think is going to be uh, one of the important aspects of the game so uh, I, I wrote a little bit this week about how well the Browns have done on uh, scripted plays. So like the first 15 first and second down plays of the game, um, the Browns have been top five in both of the last two years in um, EPA per play in, in their first 15 plays of the game in, in the last two seasons. So I think getting off to a fast start as they did last week, they scored a touchdown for the, um, on their opening drive for the fifth time this season. Uh, which is uh, tied for third in the league. So, um, you know, I, I think if they can get off to a, a good start, especially if they're, you know, motivated from uh, seeing the, the Sunday games go their way and know that they have a chance to get in the playoffs, that'll be key. Um, you know, I, I think that it'll be interesting to see what happens in, in Ben Roethlisberger's possibly last game uh, at Heinz Field. That'll be very emotionally charged for him. So it would be yeah. pretty sweet to to steal that one away, but <laughs> I think I think kind of the start of the game is is what I'm watching for. I think yeah. that if they can, you know, if the scenario is right for them and they can get off to a hot start, uh, they'll, they'll have a really good chance at uh, taking home a win. Absolutely. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Thanks everybody for watching. Uh, thank you, Anthony, for uh, joining us. Appreciate your time. Thanks to Fred Greetham, Jake Burns, and uh, Brad Stanbrook for joining as well. We will be back possibly on Sunday, depending on how uh, those one o'clock games are going. We may be around for the second half just to watch Cincinnati versus KC and uh, the Rams versus Baltimore. Uh, if not, we will be back on Monday for the pregame and the postgame. So thanks everybody for watching. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.